that the UPOV system is designed to encourage the development of new varieties of plants for the benefit of society. That is the A, really to make sure that these benefits come through to society. You are listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Please welcome your host, Leticia Caminero. Welcome to the second season. I had the greatest time preparing this new season for you, and I hope you enjoy it. On this, the episode one, we will talk about plant variety. Let's meet our guest. Hello, my name is Peter Button. I'm the Vice Secretary General of UPOV, which stands for the International Union for the Protection of New Varieties of Plants. I was born in the United Kingdom, and I now live in Switzerland, where UPOV is based. Tell us how you came to be working at UPOV. Uh, tell us about your career, the highlights of your professional background. Okay, thank you. So uh, I graduated from university with a degree in biology. And from there, I started my career working for a plant breeding company in the, in the private sector. And, and most of, uh, well, the first part of my career was in the private sector, working in the agriculture and horticultural uh, part of the industry. And from there, uh, after a few years, I joined the, the UK Ministry of Agriculture, where I was responsible for technical aspects of various plant variety and seed schemes. And then in the year 2000, I joined UPOV as technical director, um, was later appointed as Vice Secretary General of UPOV in, in 2010. What is UMBOV? Um, can you tell us what is the organization and a bit of the history behind it? UPOV stands for the International Union for the Protection of New Varieties of Plants, and it's a special system of intellectual property rights developed specifically for new varieties of plants to encourage plant breeding, which leads to uh, a range of new varieties. The system originated in Europe in the late 1950s and early 1960s, really to uh, increase food security through scientific plant breeding. At that time, there was really uh, a challenge to produce enough food for, for people in, in that part of the world. And it was just after the discovery of DNA, which meant there was now an understanding of how scientific plant breeding could really contribute to improving agricultural production. The system is designed to encourage the development of new plant varieties. So what is uh, a plant variety? It might be easier if I give that uh, or explain that by means of an illustration taking, for example, uh, apples. So a plant variety is a plant which has a particular set of characteristics. And in the case of apples, if you go to the supermarket or your, your grocer, you may see the variety Golden Delicious, which will have a yellow skin, has a particular flavor. Um, but you will see other varieties of apple with different characteristics. So, for example, Fuji, which has a different skin color, different texture, different taste. So each variety has a different set of characteristics. Um, and it's important to understand in the context of UPOV's work that many important variety characteristics are not seen by consumers. So it's not the case that everything that is a new variety, all the characteristics consumers are aware of. So, for example, things like improved productivity, resistance to diseases, plant pests, the, the processing quality of the variety. The consumer is not normally aware of that, but these are extremely important characteristics of new plant variety. And uh, the UPOV system applies to 
all plant species, and there are thousands of plant species ranging from fruit, vegetables, flowers, trees, and of course, major agricultural crops such as maize, rice, wheat, potato. And in some Newport members, the, uh, the system extends to uh, fungi, to include mushrooms, and also algae, so it includes seaweed. So it covers an enormous range of species, and uh, there are an enormous number of new varieties being developed in those, in those species. One would think that plant variety, it's only what you imagine as a traditional plant, but it goes uh, further on to trees and to even fungus. So that's interesting. Uh, one would never think that that will be protected like that. Um, is there another way to protect this kind of innovations? Well, it, it's maybe good at uh, this point to explain that the UPOV system was specifically designed for plant breeding to encourage advance of new plant, new plant varieties. Back in the, at the beginning of the 1960s, when they were looking at developing this system, one option was to say, well, we don't need a particular system. We don't need a specific system for this. We already have other forms of intellectual property rights, such as, as patents. But it was recognized that there are very specific needs about developing new plant varieties, a way that it's, it's done dealing with living plant material, the time that it takes. So it was concluded that there needed to be a special system to deal specifically with this. And so there are certain features of the UPOV system that are very important for plant breeding. And one of those, for example, is what is known as the breeder's exemption. So, for example, if you uh, wish to develop a new plant variety, clearly the best starting point is the best existing varieties. Now, the breeder's exemption under the UPOV system means that you can use protected plant varieties for breeding without any restriction. So this is different from other forms of uh, intellectual property right. Recognizing the fact that plant breeding is such a long process that it's important that we facilitate access to best starting material, to, to existing new plant varieties, even if they're protected, to make sure that the, the progress is maximized. So it really was a conscious decision to have a specific form of intellectual property right. Now, in some countries, a very limited number of countries, it is possible to protect a plant variety by uh, a patent, but this is not the, the case with most UPOV members. Most UPOV members use the UPOV system as, as the system to protect new plant varieties. That having been said, um, in the agricultural sector, uh, intellectual property rights of other forms are important for innovation. Uh, so, for example, uh, looking at developing breeding technologies, uh, the use of patents on breeding technologies is important to encourage innovation uh, in that respect. And also having developed a new plant variety, uh, trademarks, for example, are very important to be able to, to brand and to get the, the value, the extract the, the best value from, from the variety from the marketplace. So plant breeding is really geared for plant varieties so as such, but other forms of intellectual property rights are important for breeders uh, as well in order to, to really get, uh, uh, to get their new varieties to the marketplace in the most effective way. A trademark would be the best way to protect any identifiers that the new plant variety would have. Um, so the market would recognize it had something different from what is already there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
sometimes it, the, the varieties that, that that we see, we don't actually see the variety name. We actually see the brand or or the trademark uh, that uh, is 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 recognised. So, for example, in the in the case of Golden Delicious Apple, that's the name of the variety. But if you take something like Pink Lady, this is not actually the name of the variety. This is the 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 brand's name, but very important in terms of getting brand recognition and ensuring that the consumer qualities of, of that variety are not. Building on the advantage that the breeders can actually experiment uh, with already protected uh, new plant varieties uh, for the sake of uh, finding new and novel plant varieties. Is there another advantage uh, for this kind of system, for this kind of protection uh, in the point of view of the person who is innovating, the breeder, and also the consumer, the one who's going to be enjoying <laughs> this plant variety? Uh, maybe to, to look at those separately. First of all, with regard to why the breeders use uh, this, this system. And I think it's also maybe good to explain that the, the reasons can be different according to the breeder. So particularly Uh, the reasons for a, a private sector breeder and a public sector breeder, the, the, the advantages of the plant variety protection system may be somewhat different. But let's take the case of a, a breeder in the private sector. Here, it's important to, to realize that very long process to develop a new plant variety. Typically, for something like a, a wheat variety or a maize variety, it will take 10 to 15 years to develop a new variety and bring it to the marketplace. Ironically, having taken all that time to develop a very um, uh, valuable new variety, it is very easy to reproduce. So if you are a farmer and you grow seed of a new variety, when you harvest that, the grains that you harvest, you can replant those and you will reproduce that variety immediately, the, the next year. So without some system of protection for breeders, they would have no incentive to invest in plant breeding. It would spend 10 to 15 years developing uh, a new variety, but then everyone would have easy access to it and, and they would never be able to get a return on their investment. So this is why for the private sector, um, clearly having legal protection to be able to control what happens to their variety is, is vital. But what's sometimes not so uh, not so widely realized is that the public sector is a major plant breeder and also a major user of the plant variety protection system because it's a means for them to deliver uh, public good, to maximize public good. And it may seem strange that you use a private right to achieve a public good, but I can maybe give a couple of examples there. Um, so when we talk about public good in, in agriculture, in, in most cases, that means public good means benefits to farmers, benefits to farmers in, in the countries that are developing new varieties. And let's take the case of uh, cherry varieties in Canada where the Canadian government invested in uh, breeding new varieties of cherries that were very, very successful. And in fact, at one time, I think around 90% of the, the cherries grown around the world were actually using Canadian cherry varieties. But the problem was that the, the Canadian government was investing in, in plant breeding of new cherry varieties 
for the benefit of Canadian uh, growers. However, what was happening was that growers around the world were growing these excellent Canadian uh, varieties, and then these were being uh, exported, so being imported back into Canada to the disadvantage of the Canadian growth. So they, they realized, well, we need to protect our varieties so that we control and target the benefit for Canadian growth. So that then they target and give uh, preferential access to Canadian growers, they get earlier access to these new varieties. And then they license production of these varieties to uh, in other countries around the world, but they get a royalty income, which they can then invest in developing further new varieties to benefit Canadian growers. So this is a very good example of how the public sector can use plant variety protection to maximize benefits uh, for, their, uh, for their farmers. And it can be even more specific than that. And, and there, uh, maybe to, to look at an example from uh, South Africa, where there the Agricultural Research Council, which is the, the public body, is looking to use plant breeding to maximize benefits for smallholder farmers. And one of their programs is on citrus. And, and they realized that they wanted to be able to target the benefits for smallholder farmers. But if they didn't protect the varieties, they wouldn't be able to control who grew their varieties. So what they did was to protect their new citrus varieties, license them to the private sector, but with a condition. The condition was that a certain percentage of all production had to be with smallholder farmers, which meant that they could insist that the smallholder farmers were included in this value chain. And then from memory, I think it was around 30% of production uh, had to be through smallholder farmers. So a real example of how plant variety protection enables the public sector to deliver public good in the way that they uh, intend to. So um, this is looking from a breeder perspective, of course, because that's where everything starts from. But the UPOV system, and indeed it's in our mission statement, the, the UPOV system is designed to encourage the development of new varieties of plants for the benefit of society. That is the egg. It is not primarily just to protect breeders for no reason, but really to make sure that these benefits come through to society, uh, to consumers. And what that means in practice is that by encouraging plant breeding, it's delivering food security to a country by ensuring that there's good, good production, it's stable, these varieties are resistant to plant pests and diseases, so that the food supply is assured. Also, through increased productivity of food, of uh, the price of food is uh, reduced over years. The, the price of food that is uh, of, in UPOV members now is, is lower than it was in the past. And also importantly, it delivers a greater choice of nutritious foods at affordable prices. So a wide range of fruits and vegetables through to uh, improving the lives of everyone through increased ranges of flowers, which last longer in the vase, so really improving the, the lives of everyone. And looking more widely, I think it's very important to understand that the world we live in today is facing an enormous challenge, which is, uh, is climate change. And new plant varieties are really crucial uh, for all of us to be able to, to respond to climate change by uh, having agriculture with less, um, less inputs, but still being very productive so that we need as the least land possible to produce our food and leave other areas of land available for, for biodiversity. 
and maybe I can, uh, it, it's quite interesting to look at how that all came together because um, we're often asked by countries that are thinking about becoming UPOP members, well, what are the benefits for a country in joining UPOP? And uh, there was an independent study done uh, in Vietnam, which was a very interesting study because it was able to look at the situation 10 years before Vietnam became a UPOP member in 2006, and 10 years after it became a UPOP member to see what had happened in terms of uh, that, that country's agriculture. And what it saw was that in the uh, 10 years before UPOP membership, uh, yield increases in in crops, important crops such as rice, maize and sweet potatoes were being seen, but they were all being produced by increased inputs, so fertilizers, pesticides, none of it was coming through improved plant varieties. However, after they introduced the incentive for plant breeding, within 10 years, they found that um, thanks to plant breeding that was incentivized, yields of rice, maize, and sweet potatoes were now uh, between uh, 16 and 27% higher than they would have been if, if Vietnam had not introduced these incentives. And more importantly for Vietnamese farmers, their income has increased by 24% uh, since 2006. And taking a step back, coming back to what are the benefits to society, they actually calculated the value to Vietnam as a country from uh, after joining UPOP membership. And it was calculated that contribution to the, uh, to the GDP was annually around $5 billion, which is more than 2.5% the GDP. So really a substantial contribution, not just to plant breeding and farmers, but to Vietnam as a whole. Wow. So it's um, it's not only what you would um, imagine to see that okay, it helps the reader, it gives the reader the, the protection over his innovation and then uh, and this, this, the the normal or or the ordinary um, IP advantages that you would think that it gives you protection against um, copying, against um, illegal reproduction, or anything on on the sort. But it's it's more than that. It's uh, society benefits um, and all has well the government's uh, benefit um, to in order to provide a better and and more reliable source of food. So it it's. Um, what I'm getting is like prime variety. It's much more than just another intellectual property figure. It's something that it can really advance and help. We we do need um, we need to find new ways uh, to grow better, to use less water, to be more resistant to uh, to climate uh, changes, and everything that we are experimenting right now um, has humanity with the climate change and and all all that comes with it. Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Do you find that there are any disadvantages from the plant variety protection? Yeah, thank you. That's a, a very good question. And it's the question that we're uh, often asked when uh, country stakeholders are, are talking about UPOV membership and whether they should become uh, UPOV members. And it's quite interesting because I talked about the Vietnam study and, and we often ask uh, someone from Vietnam to, to talk about that study and the experiences of Vietnam. And so this is often the first question they 
uh, they get asked is, well, you've talked about all these wonderful benefits uh, from people of uh, membership in Vietnam, which are very impressive, but what are the disadvantages? And, and the answer is always the same. Well, to be honest, there aren't any disadvantages. It's not that they're just not reporting them. There just aren't really disadvantages that they've experienced because uh, what it boils down to is the fact that what the UPOV system does is not to take anything away. It provides new choices to farmers, to consumers, because it creates incentives to develop new plant varieties. It doesn't take away the opportunity to grow old varieties that have existed for, for decades or centuries. Uh, farmers, consumers can still use those old varieties without any obligations. But what they have alongside that is the opportunity to have new choices, uh, thanks to uh, all the efforts of plant breeders that wouldn't otherwise take place without the plant breeders' rights system, because it's such a challenging process that unless uh, a breeder can get some uh, benefit, some get some compensation from the investment. They just won't invest in developing those new products. Yes, of course. Um, you need to be able to assess if your um, the investment of resources and time, as you uh, explain, it it can be up um, normally minimum ten years and and so, and and much much further than that. Uh, so it makes sense that in order to to push or to encourage um, this this sort of innovation, you need to have a system in place that can encourage that, and they can they can foresee the advantages of of making that that um, investment in time and in resources. Um, touching on what you um, already talked about, um, food security and plant variety and and umbof. Is plant variety protection key to achieve the sustainable development goals too, which is um, zero hunger? I think it, it's clear that the whole concept of UPOV was all about uh, sustainable development. And I think in, in UPOV, we actually looked to see how UPOV's aims and objectives align with the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And I think it's quite interesting when you look at what um, the, the vision is. It, the, the vision is in those uh, Sustainable Development Goals to have a world where food is sufficient, safe, affordable, and nutritious. There is sustained and inclusive economic growth, social development, environmental protection, and the eradication of poverty and hunger. And one in which development and the application of technology are climate sensitive, respect biodiversity, and are resilient. And UPOV operates in uh, delivering on, on all these objectives. And in fact, we, we looked in UPOV to see which of the goals in particular the UPOV system was, was working towards. And I, there, are, there are maybe six goals that, that stand out. I think, first of all, goal one in terms of ending poverty. It's clear that new improved varieties are crucial to be able to, uh, to help countries to develop. Goal two, clearly ending hunger achieving food security and improved nutrition uh, and promoting sustainable agriculture. Goal nine talks about fostering innovation. And here in UPOV, we're fostering innovation in plant breeding, a crucial area. Goal 12 looks at sustainable consumption and production patterns. Again, new plant varieties will be key to achieving that. Goal 15 looks at the sustainable use of terrestrial um, ecosystems. And finally, goal 17 uh, talks about 
uh, strengthening the means of implementation and revitalizing the global partnership for sustainable development. And in UPOB, this is really something uh, as an intergovernmental organization, an international intergovernmental organization, this is a priority for us today. And I think the important thing is um, it's maybe not obvious how important plant breeding is. But when you think about it, from the moment you wake up, the breakfast that you eat will be thanks to plant breeders. Uh, the, the, the food that you eat throughout the day, all of that, without the efforts of plant breeders, would be there would be very much less choice. There would be smaller portions uh, around the world, and it would be a lot more expensive because plant breeding has made an enormous contribution to uh, improve production and quality over the years. But it's one that, to be honest, um, most people are unaware of. But we should be very thankful for all the work that plant breeders do for us. We often uh, take for granted what we have um, around us, um, especially if we don't necessarily stop and 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 find or, or assess everything that happened in order to us to get uh, the food, in order to go to, to get the nutrition that we have uh, around us. Uh, because it's very easy to just think about, well, the supermarket, I buy some food and then eat it. But if you think back, all the hands behind that uh, apple that you have in your fridge or, or that um, rice that you have in, in your kitchen, you can really imagine um, the effort that people do every day so we can have a better life and we can have nutritious food around us. Uh, plant breeders have an enormous challenge, more today than ever before. Uh, they've always been working to improve productivity, to improve quality. I think now they have, as you mentioned earlier, the, the added challenge of climate change. And this is really a, a severe challenge because breeders have to anticipate what the climate will be in the years ahead to be able to breed varieties that will perform well. Uh, and at the same time, to reduce the need for inputs so that we reduce uh, climate change for the future. So it's, it's really a, a major challenge. And, and plant breeders are working day and night around the world to meet that challenge. But it's crucial that they have a system that supports them to be able to invest in that so that they can, uh, they can keep us all well-fed, secure, <laughs> and uh, have enjoyable food to eat and, and colorful lives uh, uh, every day. We should never take anything for granted, and especially food. Uh, being there's so many people um, don't enjoy uh, food security just yet. And we, uh, and if we are amongst the lucky one that have food security, we need to also um, be thankful and, and find a way to support that. Absolutely. And it, it's great to have the opportunity to talk about this to, to a wider audience because in the agricultural and seed sector, the plant variety sector, this is all very well known. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, as we know, uh, or as you say, uh, people going to the supermarket take uh, take this for granted or just not aware of all that goes behind it. Plant breeders, but also farmers. So I think we uh, we all have, uh, we all owe them a debt of gratitude. <laughs> and we need to make sure that, uh, that we Uh, that they get reward for all that they give. Yes, of course, of course. Um, we truly need them. We depend on them. And 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 we as a society, I wish you encourage and, and also be, be thankful that we have people willing to make the sacrifice and, and to make uh, the long hours and, or, and the long years in order to get 
to achieve better and improve food and, and plant varieties. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking uh, this little moment to talk about um, something so interesting and, and so important for us, uh, food security, uh, plant variety, and ways to protect those that improve and innovate in this field. Thank you very much, Leticia. I really appreciated the opportunity to, to speak about this, uh, this important system. And uh, uh, thank you again uh, for this chance to, to spread the word more widely. And so we come to the end of our episode. See you next Tuesday with a new guest and a new IP topic. Goodbye from Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Did you like what we talked today? Please share with your network. Do you want to learn more about intellectual property? Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website www.intangiblia.com. Copyright Leticia Caminero 2020. All rights reserved. This podcast is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as legal advice or legal opinion.